You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Nolan is standing by. Hey, Wacky Bruce. Coming to you from an undisclosed location, this is the Bruce Exclusive. And here's your host, Bruce Nolan. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to another edition of the Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram, at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. Was that the least pleasant Buffalo Bills win you've had in recent memory? I got done with that game on Sunday night football with the Bills defeating the New York Giants. And I turned to my wife and I said, I didn't enjoy that. I did not have fun. That was not happy for me. Now, of course, I picked up my dog and gave him a hug and that I was happy. But the game itself didn't bring me a lot of joy. It wasn't super pleasant. And if you look around right now at Bill's Mafia and the way that they've reacted to this win this week, it's pretty clear that I wasn't the only one who felt that way. And it's bled over into the narrative this week. And one of the things that has come out of the narrative this week, one of the things that I specifically want to touch on in this particular episode is Bill's offensive personnel groupings. But before we get into it, I want to talk about this. Targeted criticism will always be better than blanket yelling. And targeted criticism can come from perspective. And perspective comes from watching more football. I've said this before. I will say it again. I beg of you, watch other teams with the same critical eye that you watch the Buffalo Bills. Follow other teams' beat reporters. Be tapped into at least a little bit of what's going on in Chiefs Twitter and Raiders Twitter and Commander's Twitter. The more you do that, the more perspective you'll have. The more perspective you have, the less blanket yelling you will do. And the more targeted criticism you'll have. Let's not just scream into the ether. Let's talk about specific things we like or don't like and why. The Eagles lost to the Jets. The Chiefs played a tight one against the Broncos. The 49ers lost to the Browns, who were playing P.J. Walker as their starting quarterback. The Bills could have lost to the Giants, but they didn't. But if they did, 
it would have been a similarly embarrassing loss to Eagles to Jets or Chiefs to Broncos if they would have lost that game or 49ers to Browns who were playing P.J. Walker. Ultimately, the only way you can have more perspective is with more information. Perspective grants wisdom, but how do you get perspective? It's usually time and it's information because the assumption is that time will give you more information, but we know that's not true. You have heard a caller to a radio show say, I've been a fan for 37 years, for 47 years, for 52 years, for 60 years. And then they'll say some ridiculous take and you'll go, well, clearly time did not grant them perspective, which granted them wisdom. Time doesn't grant you wisdom by itself. Time only grants you wisdom if the time gives you perspective, which means you accumulated more information. But if you're not willing to go accumulate more information, you will never get the benefit of that time, which is the perspective, which will never make you more wise. So you have to go out. You have to actively decide to get perspective. You can't just sit around, do the same thing you've always done forever and expect to get better. If you do the same thing you've always done, you're going to get what you always got. And in this case, it'll give you the same level of perspective that you've always had. I know that I've talked about this before. I will talk about this again, but I will bring it up every time I believe it to be salient. And this is one of those times. If you don't have time to watch more football, that's fine. Plug into it a different way. Join other subreddits. Follow other Twitter accounts. Be plugged in enough that you know that nothing you are experiencing is unique. I know that we like to think of our own experiences as being unique. We do this in all aspects of life. Nobody understands like I do. And that's not true. That's not true. It's just not. You want to believe that because it gives you an excuse not to seek out that information because you can just say, well, there's none of it out there, but there is some of it out there. There is another fan base that has an offense that occasionally sputters and they go, well, this is ridiculous. There is another team who has a really good quarterback. And because of that, it's kind of hard to isolate the offensive coordinator. Those things are out there. If you're willing to go get them and we should be. Let's talk about personnel groupings. One of the narratives that's come around this week, it's been a hot topic recently, was whether or not the Buffalo Bills should be leaning more into 11 personnel and less into 12 personnel this year. One of the things that triggered that was the discussion around how often the Buffalo Bills utilize 11 personnel versus how good they are at it when they do as far as rankings go in the league. So I want to go ahead and frame some information for you. The first one is passing the ball out of 11 versus passing the ball out of 12 personnel. Passing the ball out of 11 personnel, the Buffalo Bills have 0.15 EPA per pass this year. Passing the ball out of 12 personnel, 
they have 0.26 EPA per pass, a reminder that higher is better. So they're passing the ball more effectively out of 12 personnel than they are out of 11. This should not be a surprise to you. And I'm going to say something that I want you to kind of marinate in a little bit because it feels counterintuitive when I say it, but it's not. And I need you to kind of have offensive theory conversation a little bit. For a lot of teams, passing the ball out of heavier personnel and running the ball out of lighter personnel is better than passing the ball out of lighter personnel and running the ball out of heavier personnel. I'm going to say that again. It's counterintuitive, but it's true. For a lot of teams, passing the ball out of heavier personnel and running the ball out of lighter personnel is better, more effective, than passing the ball out of lighter personnel and running out of heavier personnel. Passing the ball at 12 and running out of 11 is better than the inverse. Why? This sounds insane. When I say it, well, hold on. Heavier, you immediately associate it with running. I want to take you back to Chan Gailey. Chan Gailey, Fred Jackson, C.J. Spiller. Spread, power run. 10 and 11 personnel, spread the field, run down their throats. Fred Jackson, C.J. Spiller, best years of their career under Chan Gailey in an offense that almost never used heavy personnel. We've seen this. We know this to be true. Now, I don't know if you remember it, but now that I said it, did it jog your memory? Now are you starting to go, all right, yeah, okay, I remember that. Last year, one of the ways that the Chiefs were able to have a passing game that was effective and one of the ways that they were able to deal with the loss of Tyreek Hill was they actually went heavier and passed out of heavier formations, 12 and 13 personnel two and three tight ends, and then they would pass. Patrick Mahomes won the MVP with them doing that. Do you remember this? So anecdotally, do you remember the Chan Gailey run game out of lighter personnel groupings, spreading the field and then running? And do you remember the Kansas City Chiefs passing the ball a lot out of 12 and 13 personnel last year? Again, this is, goes back to the, if you watched other teams a lot, you would know. Sounds counterintuitive, but it's true. For a lot of teams, this is the case. It is not surprising and should not be surprising that it's the case with the 2023 Bills. They are more effective throwing the ball out of 12, and they're more effective running the ball out of 11. Chris Brown was nice enough to put this stuff on Twitter. In 12 personnel... The Bills have 45 carries for 155 yards. They're averaging 3.44 yards per carry. Running out of 11 personnel, they have 79 carries for 405 yards for a 5.12 average yards per carry. Why? Why is this the case? Let's keep going. We're going to come back to it. Passing numbers, 12 personnel, 82 dropbacks, 76% completion percentage, 597 yards, five touchdowns, one interception, and a QB rating of 116.4 when passing out of 12. When passing out of 11, they've dropped back 110 times, 67.3% completion percentage, 608 yards, four touchdowns, five interceptions, and a 77 
passer rating. Why? Why is the preferential personnel grouping for passing 12 heavier and the preferential personnel grouping for running 11 lighter? We've talked about this before, but now I'm going to say this and it's going to all come together. It's going to crystallize in your brain. The number one thing that correlates with rushing success is math. It's the number of people the defense has in the box. I know we love to talk about a lot of other things, but football is a lot about math. How many blitzers they have versus how many blockers you have. How many people do they have in the box? This is why we always talk about spread sneaks. Spread the field and then do the QB sneak. Don't pass it in there until we end up with the, the tush push, which is a different thing entirely. But this is the reason why. Bodies in the box is the number one thing that correlates with rushing success. How do you end up with more bodies in the box when you're running 12 personnel? Why? Because you probably have more people in the offensive box. You have more people tighter to the line of scrimmage. And... If you put 12 in, they're more likely to counter with base. So they add another linebacker. Where is that linebacker more likely to align? In the box or out of the box? If you go heavier, they go heavier. If they go heavier, your chance of rushing success goes down. And in this case, heavier doesn't just mean personnel grouping. It also means a heavier box. More people in the box. So that's why rushing is historically, for a lot of teams, more successful in 11 than it is in 12. But why is passing more effective in 12 than 11? Because linebackers do not cover as well as defensive backs. A big part of what the Chiefs did and what the Bills want to do this year is they want to get as many linebackers as humanly possible for the defense on the field. Why? Because it's a counter. There is an element of rock, paper, scissors to football that we are not comfortable talking about. And as defenses go nickel, 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 offenses are now countering with heavier personnel and saying, we're going to make you put your third linebacker on the field. Why? Because you don't want them there. It's that simple. If you don't want them on the field, then we want them on the field. Because there's a reason you don't want them on the field. It's because they're not as good as your nickel defender. The Bills' third linebacker isn't as good as Taron Johnson. The Bills' ability to stay in nickel on defense is directly correlated to this. This is what we're always talking about. The defense for the Buffalo Bills will not be dictated to. No. What's that, Mr. and Mrs. Offense? You want to put 12 person on the field? I don't care. We're putting Taron Johnson out there. That's what we're doing. We are not going to allow you to dictate to us. That's why Taron Johnson is so invaluable. That's why. Because you don't have to do what they want you to do. If the offense is built around trying to get you to be in heavier personnel so you can't cover, you can say as the Buffalo Bills, no, we refuse to play that game. We're going to put Taron Johnson on the field because he can tackle like a linebacker. Make people do things they don't want to do. Make linebackers cover, make corners tackle. That's just a fundamental part of offensive football. And it's not like this is new. In 2018, if you were in 12 personnel in the NFL, your wide receivers were targeted on 46.8% of your pass attempts, but they averaged 0.33 EPA per attempt. 
and has a positive play rate of 59%. That same year from 11, wide receivers get thrown to more often, 60.6%, because, you know, there's more of them on the field. But they average 0.20 EPA per attempt and 51.5% positive play rate. The wide receivers you have on the field are more effective when you have less of them on the field. I know it sounds counterintuitive, but it's true. Sharp football analysis was who wrote that article way back, way back when we were, you know, very just babies in 2018. This is not a new concept. Passing the ball out of 12 is not a new concept. And it's not like you need super tight ends to do it, but it certainly helps. The Buffalo Bills have been effective, more effective throwing the ball out of 12 than they have out of 11. They've been more effective running the ball out of 11 than they have been out of 12, and that should surprise no one. Based on everything I just told you, no one should be shocked by this. A lot of teams are more effective throwing from 12 and running from 11. The Buffalo Bills are no exception. And if passing the ball is the main thing you want to do, then spending time in 12 is good. The Buffalo Bills spent markedly less time in 12 personnel against the Giants, and their offense wasn't as effective in the first half. So I don't know why it's this week of all weeks when the most recent data we have indicated that the Bills shifted away from 12 personnel in a meaningful way against the Giants, and they also struggled in the first half. Now, most of the first half struggles were specific execution errors, just like last week when I put a plurality pie up there and I said individual execution errors. In the second half against the Giants, they had three drives and two of them were touchdowns. You're not going to get a lot better than 66% touchdown rate. So the second half, I'm good with that. But running the ball from 11 and passing the ball from 12, being the most effective usage of each of those personnel groupings, should not be surprising. It's not unique to the Bills. A lot of people are like this. And if you have Dalton Kincaid, which the Buffalo Bills did not against the Giants, who is markedly better than Quentin Morris, I think we can, we can agree on that, then you're going to want to pass the ball out of 12 a lot. That's what the Bills intended to do when they drafted him. And that's why the Bills have had one of the most effective passing games in football over the course of this year. We're going to go to emails. First, Tyler says, Hey Bruce, I've been thinking a lot about the game in London versus the Jags and the critical injuries we suffered. Not only the season-ending injuries, but the more minor ones. I can't help but wonder if we can blame some of these injuries on a lack of focus due to flying to London two days prior to kickoff and jet lag. Let me add a little context. Speaking from experience, I know when I traveled for games as a young man, long bus trips were always a killer and caused what we called bus legs. Come game time, it could be hard to regain composure and focus after being on a bus for 8 to 10 hours. And these long trips seemed to be when injuries happened for our guys. They didn't keep their feet moving, technique was totally off, and focus wasn't there while the other team was flying around. Playing a fast game in a lethargic state is not ideal. I can only imagine what going around to different time zones is five hours ahead, two days before a game, must have done to the Bills. On a red-eye flight, I might add. Wondering what your thoughts are on this. Can we attribute a proportion of the London injuries to lack of focus due to questionable travel? I don't know how you divide that up. Like if you're doing a plurality pie, I don't know how you divide that up. But 
it's clear that the Jaguars being there had an advantage. They openly said it had an advantage on that. But I would have no way of knowing what percentage to apply to that. But I can still acknowledge that it's a contributing factor. I don't need to know exactly what percentage to put on it. But I think we can agree that flying over to England two days before a game, it's going to affect you. Now, you don't know how much and you don't know in what ways exactly, but it's going to affect you. Anyone who's traveled internationally will tell you that it does take you a little while. A lot of people say one day for every time zone. So that's a good rule of thumb that people use. So I think we can agree that this plan didn't work. We'll see what they do next time they have an international game. Christopher Nixon says, I don't know if you've already recorded this week's episode, but if not, I'm hoping you can give us two plurality pies, one for the win and one other for the first three quarters of stalled offense. I can. So the plurality pie for the entire game, Taron Johnson, 16%, maybe the best player on the field. I mean, the best performance on the field on Sunday night. Stephon Diggs, 15%. I mean, what are you going to say? It's one of the best receivers in football. You can run an entire offense through him. Those players are not as common as you think. Terrell Bernard, 13%. It's nice to see him play well when he's not next to Matt Milano. It gives you a little bit more credence in the, okay, maybe the guy can play. Leonard Floyd, 12%. What a signing for Brandon Bean. Six and a half sacks, playing like his hair's on fire. He's been fantastic. Sean McDermott, 11%. I thought he managed that defense and shut down that offense for the New York Giants pretty well, all things considered. And if the Buffalo Bills would have lost that game, I would have had no complaints about the way the defense played. And every bit of complaint about the fact that you had first half offensive struggles. Gregory Rousseau, 8%. Good to see him still playing well, still setting the edge well still using his length. I think that when we're talking about Brandon Bean's draft record, I think Gregory Rousseau needs to be part of the discussion in a big, positive way. Josh Allen, 7%. He was okay. But he's a quarterback, so he gets a little bit more. Other, 18%. So, for the entire game, Taron Johnson, 16%. Stephon Diggs, 15%. Terrell Bernard, 13%. Leonard Floyd, 12%. Sean McDermott, 11%. Gregory Rousseau, 8%. Josh Allen, 7%. Other, 18%. The first three quarters of stalled offense. 60% individual execution errors, 40% Ken Dorsey. I was really happy with the play action usage from Ken Dorsey. I was not happy that when he was finding, when you start to find your rhythm on offense doing something, I'm one of those people who just mash the button, man. You get back-to-back 14-yard runs from James Cook, just keep hitting the button until they prove they can stop it. Because you almost need something at that point. And I understand you could say, oh, well, you know, he went run heavy. and No, no, no. I mean, the Buffalo Bills had had errors in the passing game. They had had problems in the passing game, specific execution problems. They had Gabe Davis fumble a ball. They had Stephon Diggs drop a pass. They had execution problems in the passing game. Blocking was great. Just an issue here, an issue there, penalty here, penalty there. If you're starting to see success, just keep hitting the button. If it works, it works. And so when you get James Cook 14-14 and then run three, just run him again. Just go. Keep going. Run directly at him. The Giants do not have a good run defense. 
Your offensive rhythm is off. You've been executing poorly sometimes in the passing game. Just keep pressing the button. So that's what I want to see more of from Ken Dorsey. I kind of wanted him to go there a little bit earlier. If you've been having rhythm problems, if you've been executing problems and you finally find something that works, just keep hitting it. And the 60% is the specific individual errors that I talked about. The drop, the fumble, Josh Allen, a little bit off, ball gets tipped. Bobby O'Karake made a great play too. You know, they get paid too. That was an awesome play. But to me, 60% individual execution errors, 40% Ken Dorsey for those things. Moving on. Next email comes from Seafith. He says, hi, Bruce. I hope all is well with you and your family. I have a take that you might not like, but here goes. I think the Bills should consider trading for Derrick Henry. Yeah, a running back. Before you delete my email and block me, please hear me out. It's apparent that Sean McDermott isn't happy with a run game at the moment and Dorsey's willingness to abandon it. While our running game has improved considerably since last season, the Jags stifled the Bills' run game by stacking the box. We'll most likely face better run defenses and they might force the Bills to be one-dimensional. Henry has faced stacked boxes for years and he's been very effective. With Henry in our revamped offensive line, the Bills could truly be two-dimensional, and on days where the passing game's in a rut, they can commit to running the ball to get back in rhythm. While Cook has been good, I think Dorsey doesn't fully trust Cook as he was barely utilized in the first half of the Giants game. Josh Allen and Dorsey are slow to acclimate pass catchers into the offense, so trading for a wide receiver might not be the best course of action midseason. Henry could probably be had for a third-round pick, and that may be enough for the Titans to absorb a good chunk of his cap hit. With the Bills having a compensatory third-rounder for Edmonds' departure and Bean's instinct to most likely trade it away to move up a few spots in the third round, we may be better served to simply leverage it to get an impact player now. The AFC also looks suddenly vulnerable. Please let me know if you agree or disagree. Well, you know I'm going to disagree. I don't want the Bills to trade a third-round pick for Derrick Henry. I really think that the Buffalo Bills running backs are not the problem. I don't know how I would look at the Buffalo Bills running game and think, you know what this Bills team needs? A different running back. I haven't thought about that at all. I think Latavius Murray has been fantastic this year. And James Cook has been solid. He's had some issues that we talked about before. But Latavius Murray has been fantastic. I'd rather just keep who we have, who already knows the offensive system. You trade for Derrick Henry, takes a minute to acclimate, probably. It's a different sort of system. One of the things we don't talk about a lot is that Derrick Henry's always been better at a zone and the Buffalo Bills run a primarily gap-based run scheme. So I don't think the fit is quite as good as we think it is from that standpoint. And I personally don't ever prefer to have a running back on the field who is not at least good in the passing game. Because it just, it wastes you if you want to throw the ball. And I don't, I don't want that. And I think Latavius Murray and James Cook are both better in the pass game than Derrick Henry. Just from a skill stat standpoint, I trust James Cook as a receiver more, and I trust Latavius Murray as a blocker more. Evan says, yes, we've had a perfect game versus New England, but what about a second perfect game? Seven drives, seven touchdowns, 49 to nothing. You know what? Let's go with that. And if it doesn't happen, you know, that's the way the cookie crumbles. I'm Bruce Nolan, Buffalo Rumble.
Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. 